folks, to another edition of Desperately Seeking Entertainment. I am Chris Peterson, one half of your hosting team this week. Joined with me, as always, is Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? What's going on, Chris? Happy holidays around the internet. Mm. I'm ready to just just rock this week. It's been a couple weeks, man. I got some materials this week. I cannot wait, Chris. This is going to be epic, earth-shaking. Sh- I, I feel like we're setting a precedent. And it's gonna move forward from this day on. It's gonna be freaking great, dude. I, well, I hope you're is, psyched. I'm I'm pumped. This is the year end special. Uh, you know, I can't believe I mean this this podcast is is older than a year now, which right. is crazy. Uh but we, we're doing something that we've never done tonight, uh, ever. Um, and that is uh we're doing a year end awards. You know, there's it's been a weird year, obviously. We're not getting a lot of the uh, award seasons that we typically would get. So we figured, why not be the most important awards in existence? Uh, and that's decided by you and I. So I, I, You know what, Chris? Every other year. I, I th- Correct. A thousand percent correct. Listen, <laughs> we are the most important people just discussing entertainment on the internet and anywhere. But this year, more than any, you want a nerd digging through the stuff you don't want to sit there and, and you know you get these friends and they're like you really should check out this show it doesn't heat up till season four but it's good you know you don't want to come on you don't you don't want to waste your time even in lockdown you don't want to waste your time we exactly. are the nerds that have dug through media upon media and we have done this yeah chris you're right who knows if the oscars are going off who knows if anything is going off really you know this is the award show to end all award show for 2020. And listen, it was tough. This year has been shit. <laughs> and I want to say getting a best of anything in 2020 was tough, but they're out there and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to steer you through that stuff, Chris. Exactly. Exactly. So Ben and I are going to go through some categories here, give our picks our reasons why some reactions um, to it all. But I think we're hitting on pretty much almost every, um, genre i guess you could say or form of entertainment that one could possibly have in basically sight and sound and and you know viewing experience so hey chris we were just saying i mean there's some you want to mention the omissions from this year that we will mention next year hopefully well yeah so i mean one of the big ones is obviously theater um you know Broadway has been shut down since uh, really end of February and with no real reopening uh, definitive date set. So obviously we couldn't do anything really with uh, theater, but we definitely will do that uh, once it opens up back up and and shows start opening because it's going to be a bonkers uh, theater situation when, when theater finally does open up because we're going to have a Michael Jackson musical. We're going to have a Britney Spears musical. We're going to have all the award contenders that were supposed to be uh, there. Uh, it's going to be bonkers. So yeah, I'm excited for next year. Yeah, I know. I'm excited. You know what? I, I forget what news uh, show I was listening to. I listened to a bunch of like podcast versions of news at night when I'm going to sleep and they were saying, you know what? We're ramping up for 2021 to be the best summer ever i feel like people are gonna get that vaccine in their arms and we're gonna go nuts mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's gonna be frat party like i mean well we didn't have frats in elmira but it's gonna be like elmira college party at, at the cottages exactly <laughs> yeah exactly and anybody listening to this podcast you better get the freaking vaccine all right i don't want to hear this bs about you know not yeah, wanting to people? get it come I, on I, now yeah that's ridiculous yeah as, <laughs> as a 
person that works with people. I'm not. I'm not going to say I am an. I am an essential worker, but I'm not like a frontline person or something like that. Uh, I cannot wait. They can just if they have to inject it into my eyeball, I'll take it that way. I don't care. <laughs> I, love I love it. Well, let's get into it, Ben. So, the first category is a. Uh, I guess you could call it a, a form of entertainment that we probably talk the most about on this podcast because it typically consumes a lot of that. And that's, that of course is movies. Um, Whoa, we're starting with the big show. Let's like start it. with the big show. Let's, why not? Let's get, let's get into it. Um, so, and we'll, let, let's do this. Why don't we pick you? I'll pick the first category then you could pick the next one. But um, for movies, it's been a weird year because obviously everything's been pushed back. All the big blockbusters that we thought were going to come out. Haven't um, they will start coming out. Uh, after this podcast is being recorded, but <laughs> yeah, know. exactly. HBO Max. <laughs> let's let's just rock this 2021. Apparently. <laughs> exactly. Um, so it's it's been a little bit of a weird year, but we still had some great films um, come out that I think would would have been either blockbusters, irregardless, or Oscar contenders or whatnot. So yes, Ben, before before we get into it, before please. have we said. I have no idea what you're saying or you're going to say, and you have no idea what I'm going to say. Yeah. So we have not planned our picks at all. And, oh. and I know that Ben is going to be offended by some of the choices I make tonight. <laughs> I think you're going to be shocked by some of the, the choices and you're going to question <laughs> the validity of my choices. Is it going to be worse than spin magazines, best 35 albums of 35 years? <laughs> now I don't know how much you like Irish music, but I have filled my picks. <laughs> Just no, Enya all, all over the place. That's Enya. it. Enya ruled 2020. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Anyway. So for best movie, Ben, I'm going to turn it to you. What was your pick? Any honorable mentions? Take the floor. All right. Well, let's start with some honorable mentions mm -hmm. of 2020. So now, Chris, when I thought of this and the way I think of movies, I you know, you've heard me do the spiel a bunch is I like cult movies, right? Yeah. I like movies that are still kind of resonating or there's something about that movie that we're talking about 30, 40, 50 years later. There's something about that that is groundbreaking or something about like their technique or something about the acting. It's like, Oh my God, you know, it's kind of like the citizen Kane kind of vibe. It's like, okay, this movie was a bomb at the time. This movie did not do good. No one went to go see it. It almost had it, the negative destroyed, but we're still talking about to this, to this day. So that being said, I tried to think of the most iconic movies of 2020, especially with all these picks that we're going to talk about from years to come. So I want to give, before I get to my pick, I want to give some honorable mentions. Go for it. Honorable mention is Borat. Mm. I feel like Borat, um, that movie may have swayed an election. <laughs> I feel like that movie had um, more to say than a, a lot of TV and movies that we saw this year. And a lot of people watched it. You know, in this day and age of everyone can watch stuff from different outlets uh that movie i think everyone watched it i think everyone watched it from any political spectrum you you couldn't stop it was just so great yeah um i want to give an honorable mention to that but my pick and so you know what's weird is i did these picks and i don't know which one is number one uh, i know which one is number one i'm going <laughs> to okay my picks this now chris i, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this I have number two and number one. My number two pick of the best movie of the year is Hamilton. 
My number one pick is American Utopia, the David Byrne musical. Whoa, okay. So that is my number one pick. That is a personal pick, um, but also just thinking in the scope of film, directed by Spike Lee, um, the film work, the performance, the, the 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 chills I got through the whole thing. Hamilton was great. I feel like I had to pick something that was filmed in front of a live studio audience for 2020. And I feel like the reason why I got the feels so much is because I miss theater. I miss sitting. I miss live music so much. And mm-hmm. throughout these whole things, I, I saw these people. And you know me. I'm a performer myself. I got envious of the performers. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, I know I talked about David Byrne on an earlier podcast. And I talked about American Utopia. But I feel like. I couldn't get away from it. And as I went through and Mank came out and I, 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 I text you all through that. We haven't really done our reviews of, Oh, we did a review of that. Um, I don't feel like I'm going to remember that movie a couple years from now. I feel like I know personally, I'm going to be listening to the soundtrack of American utopia for a while. And I'm going to be watching the shit out of Hamilton to come because Ooh. it was as good as everyone said. And you know, Chris, you're a theater head and you know, theater heads, oh, you've seen Hamilton. Yeah, I've seen it twice. I've seen this. And, you know, when anything is hyped up that much, it usually lets down. It usually is like, okay, I get it why people like it. That movie blew my socks off. And it was really hard to say. But I'm going to say Hamilton 2, American Utopia 1. Chris, what do you think of my picks? Well, first of all, I, I'm incredibly surprised. That's that's not it. I mean, I, I thought you were going to go for, you know, kind of more of a traditional narrative film mm-hmm. rather than kind of a taped performance but um you know it's funny it's like your 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 picks are not necessarily um the the opinion is shared by a lot of experts in the field like i looked at a lot of the kind of the best of lists that have been already published and yeah. american utopia is like in the top 10 of all of them oh so, really oh yeah. really i didn't you know what i didn't know research on this category because i thought my picks were going to be totally off the wall and they're going to be like, yeah, like you said, it's not really a straight narrative. It's not a screenplay. It's not anything. So that's interesting. So other people thought the same thing. That's really other people. I mean, you're, you're onto something there, I think. And, um, you know, could that mean Oscar glory? Who knows? We'll see. But, um, you know, it's, it's funny. You mentioned, I, I'm probably going to, I'm going to give you more credit, you know, for, for the American utopia pick, because I think it was just more superiorly filmed. If that makes sense. I think, Um, yeah. And, and you know, I think that's my, that's, that's what kind of made it a movie for me more mm -hmm. than Hamilton. Hamilton felt like I was seeing it, which is a good thing. Listen, which is a great thing. And that's what it wanted to be. It wanted to be uh, like, I'm going to the theater. Here's the musical. All right. I'm watching the stage, you know, watching Peter Pan or something like that. I'm watching mm -hmm. the stage version of this. Cool. I don't get to be in the theater. Here I am. And there was something about that, too, that gave me the chills. So that's why it was like that was that made me get the feels more than anything I, I felt in movies today. And I know I might be breaking some some stupid Oscar rules, whatever the hell they got, because, you know, they were both were streamed. Who gives a shit? But both were kind of live performances, not scripted. So who gives a shit about that? But I'm going to say American Utopia. They were a couple, you know, hell you top out, which I was I was I talked about on this podcast when they they cut to the Black Lives Matter faces of the people mm-hmm. that have been killed, you, if you didn't get the chills, you're not alive, sir. I mean, you're just, I mean, that was shocking. And it was filmed in that spikely kind of dead first person almost, um, oh, my God, uh, 
that first person feel, which was just in your face, that gritty kind of documentary style, which is kind of like love and hate in uh, his first movie, you know, just like that kind of rawness. I mean, I, I felt so many feels during that because one, I'm a giant David Burton. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie and say that this is like not a personal call of mine, but I don't know, man, it was pretty awesome. So, so you think that's a legitimate call to, oh, to yeah. say these are movies? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. Uh, well, I mean, certainly the, the the unions would certainly agree because they're yeah. arguing over jurisdiction when it comes to these things. So, um, yes, I'll just I'll just agree with them. There you go. Um, so yeah, no solid picks, man. Solid picks. All right. What do you What do you got? I'm so uh, curious. Did you Do we have any overlap? No, not for this oh, category. Oh, I'm so curious. I'm like, I was like, I was looking at my list. I'm like, we're gonna have overlap here and here. I'm so I'm I'm gonna be so interested because Chris, I listened to a couple podcasts before this just end of the year award kind of podcast and they mm -hmm. all have overlap which is something that i hate <laughs> it's yeah. like so it's like there's three people on this and they're all like picking the same things and i'm like oh yeah oh that show's good yeah that's my number one yeah, that's my number three it's like wait so you guys all agree with each other it's so stupid <laughs> like I, like what there's no like where i i would be okay if you said you know what i don't consider that a movie i i i i I wanted you to pick something more narrative and I would have to dig through something, but I, I mean, or even I mean, documentary film, I would have called that. I would have been fine with that too. Like just, you know, best movie, like best movie yep. watching experience. There you go. And yeah, that's yeah. what, that's what really made me decide my pick. And I was, I just like you, I had kind of like three that were like kind of going back and forth. Um, you know, my third, my third place runner up is a, a wonderful film called Maneri. Uh, which is stars Stephen Yen from The Walking Dead. And yep. he plays this uh, Asian-Korean father who moves his family out to the Midwest, like rural Midwest, and like has to, it kind of documents their everyday life. It's a breathtaking film. He's probably going to get nominated for an Oscar. Um, fantastic. He's a great he, actor in general. Anyway, I mean, great general. Just, yeah. Uh, my, <clears throat> my very close runner-up was The Five Bloods on Netflix, another Spike Lee movie. So there hmm. you go. Um, which is absolutely fantastic. Delroy uh, Lindo is awesome in that movie too. Probably going to get an Oscar nomination for that as well. But my number one, Ben, and we talk about the movie watching experience. Yes. This is what made it decide for me. I went with The Invisible Man. Oh, interesting. Oh, you right? know what? This is so great because I saw all these movies too. You saw Good. all my picks and I saw all your picks. This is great. This is great. <laughs> And you know what is interesting? I don't think we talked about the Invisible Man on the podcast. I don't think we did. I, I think I think we might have just brought it up, like, "Hey, there's this movie coming out. Or, right, we're right. gonna check this out." I, I think but, we relate to the party. Me and Katie relate to the party watching it. So, okay, all right. Let's let's break down this picture. Break it down. What made you feel like this was? It brought you back to the. I'm going to a theater and having popcorn movie experience. What, right. what made you feel that way? So we didn't, I mean, this movie was out very briefly in the theaters. I didn't get to see it in the theaters. Um, so You're crazy. Watched it home. Yeah, basically. <laughs> the so, world was ending. I was fighting people for gas and bullets in the streets. Exactly. If you're going to see a movie, I was, <laughs> I was fighting Martin Joe. Uh, so my, wife and I, <laughs> my body is chrome. Um, <laughs> Shiny and chrome. <laughs> <laughs> so basically my wife and I we turned off all the lights, popped this thing on. I I am blessed and fortunate to have a pretty nice sound system 
mm. in my family room for to watch movies. So I knew like from the buzz that like sound is going to play a huge role um, in this movie, but I had no idea. And the reason why I love this movie so much is that more than any other film I can really remember recently, maybe A Quiet Place was like the emphasis on sound was so, so important. Like sound was another character within the film. Like there were sequences like in the hospital uh, hallway and, and, you know, when she's um, alone in the house mm -hmm. and things like that, mm -hmm. where I'm like on the edge of my seat, like what is happening? And, you know, I'll hear something and be like, what's that? Um, <laughs> half the time it was, it was just like natural noises happening in my house that I thought were in the movie. But um, it was an awesome, immersive experience. And it's one of those movies that if you're by yourself, you know, slap some noise canceling headphones on, watch on a laptop, you can actually get the same experience. And I think oh, that's that'd be crazy. Right. So I, I think that's that's a, a vital element is just the, the entertainment factor alone of just having an amazing time watching a movie scores huge points for me. Now, beyond that. It's a great movie. I mean, the pacing. Yeah, great flick. I'll, I'll go. I'll watch that again too. It's, right? it's, it's it's a watchable movie too. I mean, Elizabeth Moss, whose career is just like skyrocketed into the stratosphere. Um, she basically got on my list of like anything that she wants to do. I'm fine. Like, yeah, Peggy Olson I'll, can do anything. Exactly. I'll watch it regardless. And so we don't um, have any booze, uh, Roger. <laughs> we just have this vermouth. Well, let's drink vermouth. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, just love like, the supporting cast was great throughout. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. no, just all around great flick. And uh, if it kicks off, I mean, everybody's talking about how like this is going to kick off like another round of like this trying to like tie in all the Universal monsters together. Stop right. it! I don't, you know, Stop. this is this is a great standalone flick uh, by itself. So that's that's my movie of the year. You know what, Chris? Great pick, dude. Great pick. I mean, if I, I feel like we're representing with our picks, I feel like we're representing the spectrum of great movies this year. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Where we're all trapped <laughs> together in our houses, and God knows, probably for longer. And so, you know, it's about kind of reveling in things that have happened, things that are current, things that are going to happen. And you know, mine a live theater performance that will hopefully get there, and then. I mean, I'm not going to say it's a remake. It's not a redo. It's a live, you know, I, in this age of remakes and rehashes and all those things, the Invisible Man this year did it right. I mean, that was a starking, a stark, starkly original movie that you could have called anything. It could have been called like Dead Boyfriend Trying to Kill Me or something like that, could have been, <laughs> which bad title, but it could have been something like that. Um, and it would I would have been like, oh, is it a remake of The Invisible Man? I didn't even know. And you know what the best thing about this movie was? It's Go ahead. Not, and like you already said it, kind of. It's not what you see; it's what you hear, and kind of get creeped out. And like, it's what you not see. It's what you sorry. It's what you don't see. And one movie that is really bad at this, where you were just like, okay, this is a, ch a cheap way to film a stupid movie, was The Happening. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like Shyamalan, terrible. And I did not get distracted by that. I remember watching that movie going, okay, he came up with a cool script, and now we're just going to film the trees moving, and this is stupid. This movie had sounds going. She is super intense acting. They had, like, CGI, not CGI, practical effects. They used everything in filmmaking magic, and that's what really geeked me out about this movie. Chris, great pick. Great pick. There you go. Great pick. Thank but, you, sir. Um, let me do your. All right. Now, 
Now that being said, <laughs> I'm gonna slam you. I'm gonna slam you. Uh oh. Uh oh. Did not. I did not get through and did not enjoy the five bloods. Really? I and it was so weird because my pick this year was a Spike Lee movie, and this movie was just. I don't know what it was. There was. I like the the old guys getting together for the reunion in Vietnam. Love mm-hmm. all that. Then they're talking about uh, Chadwick Boseman. And I understand. I mean, there is. I mean, it's Chadwick. I mean, R.I.P. The guy was super great. I, he didn't make a bad movie. Right. But this one, there was a the action scenes were a little too cheesy for me. Mm, okay. And I think right. I think the C, the CGI and like this is kind of a pet peeve of mine. The CGI kind of takes me out of it. Like whenever there's like a fake. We can't put a firecracker in someone's shirt and then just have it go off and have fake blood. Like that just drives me nuts. And like every time I see like a little CGI blood spurt, it, it I kind of turned it off. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, Interesting. so I didn't really get far into it. I probably got like 30, 40 minutes and I was like, eh, I okay. get it. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, I get why you chose it, but it, I, I, I kind of, I, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a hot take. Hot, hot take. take. Was it a hot take? Did a lot of people have that on their top tens too? <laughs> Probably. I think. Oh, uh, yes. Man. Yes, they did. Yeah, they did. Oh, all right. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> so, but dude, great pick. I, uh, between American Utopia and Invisible Man, if you haven't seen these movies, go watch them. And go you'll watch freak. them. Yeah, exactly. go watch them. All right, sir. What do you got for your next category? Your choice. Oh, I get to pick. I get to pick. Oh, this is so much. Dude, this is great. All right. Um, I want to go... All right, let's let's go back a little because we started strong. I think the Oscars do this. They start strong, then we go back. Let's do some small stuff. Okay. okay sure. I want to do um we're not gonna do best album of the year. I want to do best reissued album of the year. Ooh, okay. Okay, so 2020 for me, like I said, um people might have been trapped inside. There was some new music this year, but people aren't touring, you know, and, and if you watch any music documentary. The artists that are touring and they're on the road, that's when they make their music. You know, they're hanging out, they're doing all this stuff, and they're playing music. And it's like it's like when Pearl Jam was on the road for 10, they were writing verses and, you know, Vitology. They were just on the back of the bus just writing this music, and it's great music. So um, it's a weird kind of uneven year for creativity. So, Chris, I would love to hear your best reissued album of 2020. Oh, okay. So this was actually a fun project for me to do because i i'll be honest i don't stay on top of these things as much as you do when it comes to reissued music and things like that so right. I'm, a, I'm, a nerd. Of, I'm an old I'm old music nerd there That's you go. so it was it was a fun kind of research project for me to kind of go into and actually take a look at some of the stuff that was uh reissued and a lot of it was like the most random things i've ever seen mm-hmm. so it was like you know one of them was like a very classic um well-known church choir in Scotland that reissued an album though. You know, it was really, really good actually. Um, but my final pick was not only is not only one of my favorite, like personal favorite performers of all time, but one of my f- favorite albums that literally the second that I saw, I didn't even have to even look at the details. The second I saw that it was reissued, I went ahead and bought it because I was like, oh nope, no, not even a question. And that was uh, Roberta Flack's first take. Uh, yes so uh if anybody doesn't know who roberta flack is shame on you shame shame (laughs) but uh first take was her first debut album back in 1969 um doesn't have it has like um till i see your face again that 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 song but it doesn't have like you know killing me softly that came later on but 
uh, they took that album, which only had like, I think nine or 10 songs on it to begin yeah, with. Yeah, it's a short album. It's like 35. Very minutes. short. But they added some never released songs that you know have never been released before, um, including the song called Lullaby, which or Hushabye, which is absolutely hauntingly gorgeous. If you get a chance, um, oh, this is that. that. So amazing. She sounds phenomenal. Roberta Flack is one of my favorite vocalists of all time. This woman, I think, also is you know doesn't get the nearly the credit that she does. She probably gets a lot of credit. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people. Regarded, but when we talk about some of the greatest vocalists of the 20th century, um, she, I know you never hear her name with like the Patti LaBelle's and the you know the Aretha, Aretha Franklin's Franklin. and, right, right, exactly. Right. Um, and she should because she's just absolutely brilliant singer. She is a quiet. There's like a, a she she wasn't a big belter like Gladys Knight and all these other you know Aretha Franklin. She had a kind of a quiet hush about her, but it's gorgeous. And what they did with first take. The engineering behind it is incredible. It sounds like the, the album was released, recorded yesterday rather than, you know, 40 some odd years ago. Um, listen, Chris, as someone that that used to edit music and clean it up and stuff, I don't know how they do that. It it, it still astonishes me the the work they can do on old audio. It's just ridiculous. amazing. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, that, that was my pick. And, and again, it was like the second I saw that they had – that I even look at the details of the reissue. I just was like, Roberta Flack reissue, done, like bought mm. in, a, in a heartbeat. And I'm glad I did. So that that was my pick. Great pick, Chris. All right. So I had a couple runners up, and then we'll get to my pick. Um, so um, as I mentioned on the pod, I am a giant jazz head. I love jazz. I love jazz music. I love getting into my favorite my favorite thing in the world. And this is like me time. This is like personal Ben me time. And when I get Ooh. in the man cave. I get, I get, I get naked. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, get, I get in the man cave, and I buy a record. And the best thing about old jazz albums is the liner notes on the back, and they have these stories about how the the album was made, where the where the artists were in their lives, what was going on, and usually with jazz music, where they were in their drug history. <laughs> uh, so, um, my honorable mentions are two jazz albums, uh, Cannonball Adderley. I've mentioned that on the podcast, Swinging mm. in Seattle. Super awesome. It's taken from tapes they found. So <laughs> imagine this, kids. Back in the day when we had live music, <laughs> they would just broadcast from a bar live onto the radio to get you to come into that bar to watch the band play. So up in Seattle, you hear the broadcaster going, oh, we're here with Cannonball Adderley. We're playing live in this like little dingy bar. Come out, see the music kids. Uh, it's five bucks at the door, two bucks at whatever the hell it was. It's so wild to listen to. It's just like a stamp in history. That was my number one. Uh, number two is John Coltrane, Giant Steps, uh, reissue, a classic album. You've probably heard these songs. They're just all over the place. Um, that's my reissue. But Chris. My number one, and I want you to check this one out. I recommend this to my neighbor, recommend this to a lot of people, is there's this album called Goat Head Soup by the Rolling Stone. Hmm. And it is, by the Rolling Stones, it is, uh, has the song Angie on it, has okay. all these great tracks on it, right? And, and the actual album's great, but the best thing about reissues on Spotify or iTunes is they come out with this live stuff after the album. And so I want to talk about that. So the actual live stuff that comes after this album is live from the National State Forest in, hold on, I'm going to look it up. 
It's like in Austria or something like that. Um, and it has great live tracks. It has um, this great like 10 minute version of you can't always get what you want um, with a saxophone solo in the middle of it. Mm. It is so awesome. Here we go. Um, I'm going to look up where it is. Forest National Arena. Hold on. Hold on. Brussels. It's in Brussels. And it's on 1973. And you can watch the video when you watch it on Spotify. They have uh, live versions of You Can't Always Get What You Want, The Midnight Rambler, Jumpin' Jack Flash, Street Fighting Man. Um, Oh, my God. And they're the best versions. Uh, Give Me Shelter Live is out of control. And they're the best versions of these songs you'll ever hear in your life. Um, if you're a Rolling Stones like fan, just off to the side, you know, because I'm not like a, I'm not going to say I'm a Giant Stones fan. I have a couple albums, but this stuff I have listened to all year. I can't stop listening to this album. So it was hard for me not to pass this up. So this is my favorite reissue of the year because I love it when Chris, I don't know about you, but when there's like a, a DVD comes out and they just have a ton of extra stuff on there, you know, like criterion collection kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. freaking go nuts. I love it so much. When like, and then you're like, how did people not live with this stuff and how do they preserve it all this time? So Chris, that's my goat, goat head soup by the Rolling Stones. Check it out. Reissue. It's so awesome. Nice. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Um, all right. So let me move on to, I'll pick the next category here. Um, you know what? This is a blog, and we write a lot of articles, a lot of pieces. Mm-hmm. So why not do a best article of the year? Like, what article did you read in any publication? I don't care what it is that was either off the wall bonkers or memorable or influential or whatever it may be. Um, what is the best article of the year? So, uh, Ben, oh, go ahead. You want to me first? I'm okay. going to you first. All right, I want you to look up something. Okay, you got your phone? I got my phone, ready to go. Radiotimes.com. It's always sunny, four seasons. Just give give you a couple seconds. Let me start breaking this article down. So, kids, there was this thing called an election held this year. And uh, there was a lot of things that happened, but uh, Joe Biden won. So he is your president-elect. But... There are a couple of people that don't believe in this, like our current president. And uh, he tried to have this overturned by his mayor, Rudy Giuliani. And so he went on this press tour uh, where he would go to different things. And I think his people, or maybe him, tried to book the Four Seasons in Philadelphia. Instead, they booked a Four Seasons total landscaping company right next to the mortuary and the porn store. And so that I didn't want to talk about political stuff on this podcast. Um, it, it's a great story. I love the actual story, but this story took it over the top and made it a desperately seeking entertainment story that um, Glenn Howerton is very tempted to feature the now iconic location of Trump's post-election <laughs> press conference in season 15 of it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Um, in the article, they talk about how they would work it in. Maybe Rudy Giuliani is actually Frank in disguise the whole time, and that's why his hair is melting. I like how they have thought about this, how they're going to put it on the TV show. It is kind of the greatest thing. So I picked this article because it's a great article. It's a melding of entertainment, politics, 
interviews with you know uh, creators of the show, actors of the show. So, Chris, that is my pick, my article of the year. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right, my pick. Um, you know, I read a lot of articles. Um, I have a lot of Google alerts because you know I have to stay on top of things for the blog and whatnot. And um, <laughs> funny enough, I I didn't really have a pick for this category set until uh, literally yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Article, my pick was like two weeks ago too. That's so funny. Because this article got published, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is the most crazy thing I've ever read." Ben, I'm going to ask you to Google, and I'm going to ask the audience to Google something. Could yeah. you do me a favor and just Google "pharma bro girlfriend"? Pharma, pharma, as in like pharmacy. Oh. Pharma bro girlfriend, pharma. and you will see an article on L Magazine on L.com called The Journalist and the Farmer Bro. And this is literally an article about a journalist who used to work for Bloomberg News and covered the Brooklyn courthouse. Her name is Christy Smythe. And she documents and talks about how she actually ended up following, falling in love what? with Martin Shkreli, uh, the farmer bro, who was arrested on like so many different fraud charges and is just a genuine asshole. Um, he's the one that secretly bought the, um, the top secret Wu-Tang album for like oh, $10 million. No, this guy. So this guy, so this, wait, didn't, oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay. Wait, did, all right. Break down the audience. What happened with this? Cause I remember watching a couple of YouTube so, videos of what happened to this guy. Bob Screlly is this like kind of um, nerdy, and I mean nerdy in the most derogatory way, by the way. And I don't want nerds out there to be offended. No, no, no. We're nerds. Chris, Chris, nerds. hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Katie has – listen, Katie has broken this down for me. She likes nerds. I mean, she, mm -hmm. she's with the king of the nerds. I mean – King of nerds. Yeah. Uh, but we're not dweebs. He's, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. So this guy's a fucking a dweeb. dweeb, dude. He's a dweeb. <laughs> um, he was able to – raise capital enough to buy a pharmacy company which manufactures drugs for AIDS patients and raise the price of the medication basically from like, I think it costs like $14 a bottle uh, without insurance, by the way, um, to like $1,400 a bottle. It was something ridiculously mm -hmm. obscene. And he was an asshole about it. He's like, you know, I can do whatever I want. I'm an asshole. And he would flaunt off his money. Um, he he bought a top secret Wu Tang Clan album, which only one copy has ever been made for like ten million dollars because he just was an asshole and decided to do that. Um, ended up getting arrested and being charged with a bunch of fraud, money laundering, you know, every financial crime you can think of. He's he was convicted and and sentenced to life in prison, and. This journalist uh, who covered the story for Bloomberg News documents in this article how she, through her interactions with Martin Shkreli, ended up kind of falling for them and having like a relationship with him and how it torched her career. It ended her marriage, Good. you know, and as I'm reading this bonkers story now, this is, this, you know, I, I, you could say that I kind of work in a journalistic fashion with the blog and when we're publishing articles and things like that we have reasons behind this what's interesting about this article then and which is why i felt it was the article of the year is that it didn't need to happen like this is this is the reason 
we get this article is just simply out of sheer lunacy by a select few of people. First of all, the woman that that the story is based on, because, you know, this is so she's like, oh, I torched my career and, you know, I'm working for a journalistic startup now and things are, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, turn around. I'm like, woman, you just outed yourself for dating the, the shittiest guy in the planet. He sucks. Um, for reasons and only a, a select handful of people knew about it and you felt like apparently the whole world needed to know not because she was being extorted not that because she was going to be exposed just simply she she couldn't bear the secret anymore and had to tell somebody the somebody that she ended up telling was a reporter at l magazine who got her permission to publish this story and blow it up to me as to. Oh, that sucks so bad so dude. And then, and then this woman, which just is like the the chef's kiss cherry on top, is like on Twitter, like criticizing the criticism against her and saying like, "Oh, I guess like you know people just feel they can come after a woman's choices and blah blah blah." I'm like, please stop it, stop oh, criticizing, stop, it. It. stop using the feminist. You know what's the worst um, thing? You know what? Like as an entertainment head, and as as you are an entertainment head, I mean, the whole Wu Tang thing. Must just kill you inside. And like, oh, here's the RZA, here's the Wu Tang Clan, right? I mean, they're trying to take music, a dying form, you know, similar to like newspaper and you know, blogs are trying to bring that back and writing, bring bringing that back, websites, and they're taking a dying form like music and it's like, all right, we did this thing not to make money, you know, the Wu Tang are okay, <laughs> the Wu Tang, <laughs> Wu Tang will survive. Um, they're fine, right? They're okay. they, like R- R- yeah, they're fine. Uh, Riza, they were like, we wanted to make our art something like you hang in a, a museum. Someone buys it and then can share it if they choose. And right. it was a really interesting kind of thing to do to make like a different statement. And they were hoping they were like, I don't care if someone buys this for a million dollars and then distributes on the internet for free tomorrow. I think that's what they were kind of hoping. You know, yeah. the, they would get publicity hype and then just go everywhere and everyone would download it. And this douche, <laughs> he <laughs> rose the money by like scamming AIDS patients of their medications. And now this album, if correct me if I'm wrong, is uh, evidence like is being locked up for evidence in this investigation. So we'll never hear this album ever. Nope. It's it's in a storage locker someplace. Yeah, it's terrible. To, so, screw this guy. <laughs> screw this guy. Um, well, he, great you know, article. Spent- Sentenced to he, he so uh, originally so I said he was life in prison is actually um, seven years he's oh. already in for two and is asked to be released early due to COVID he's been designed he's been denied oh, absolutely um, so. <laughs> I hope the guy, like the judge that ruled over that, is wearing just like a giant Wu Tang bling medallion. <laughs> no, right. just no, you're no, you're you're serving out. <laughs> so yeah. That's it. That's it. Oh, great articles. Great <laughs> articles. Well so far. You know what? Great articles because they had to do with entertainment. You know, they were yep. potent. They're pertinent, but they had some entertainment stuff. In it. Great stuff. All right, sir. Go ahead. Oh, okay. All right. Let's, um, oh, where are we going to go next? Chris, this is a blast. Yeah, I know. Well, when, we, when entertainment starts popping up, maybe we'll do this like every half of the year like maybe we'll do this twice yeah, a year or something. there you go i like it all right let's do okay let's do per- best performance by an actor or an actress okay okay let's chris go ahead uh 
you know, I had a lot of choices. And, you know, even though this wasn't like a huge year for, um, you know, movies, we still got some great, great performances. Um, I have a runner-up. Okay. Um, Just make sure I got my list here. So, have you seen the movie Emma yet? No. Good movie. I got I her her name escapes me, but the girl that's the lead in Emma, um uh something Joy Taylor. She was also in the the Vich movie yep. that came out. Fantastic performance in that. Yes. Uh she's also in the Queen's Gambit. Great movie yep. in that. Um also uh John David Washington in Tenet. Even though the movie was like yeah, it was okay. Oh, I uh, haven't seen it yet, but you know what? Based on your review, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'll check it out when it's on sale. Which is yeah. such a disappointment for me because I was hoping for that to be huge. Uh, oh, you know, it's Nolan. It's Nolan. It's like you know, Nolan. you expect it to be good, but it was all right. Um, okay. uh, another great movie if you haven't seen it yet called The Assistant. Um, and the the woman uh, who's in that, Julia Garner. Um, it's kind of like a post Me Too, Harvey Weinstein similar type of movie to that but she's she's great but ben my pick went to a, a movie that i literally saw uh last week and again Ooh, I, I wow. wasn't gonna pick it it wasn't even on my radar saw the movie and i'm just so freaking blown away i'm going with a, an actor by the name of riz ahmed for a movie called the sound of metal nice ben have you nice. seen this movie yet? i have not seen this i've seen trailers for this it is an outstanding movie, number one, definitely deserving of a Best Picture um, Oscar. But I swear to God, this guy doesn't get the Oscar for this role. I don't understand what the the Academy is thinking. I have um, been a fan of this guy. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what what's the name of the show? Was it happened or that that yep. night? The night, the night, the night, uh, the night of. I think or... the night of. The night yeah. of. I saw his performance in that, and then he was in. Goddamn Rogue One. Rogue <laughs> He's One? fabulous in that because you know he can act like he did in The Night Of. Then he right. plays like this kind of Weasley kind of pilot that betrays the Empire. And you're like, this guy is an acting genius. Like, you're like, this guy could have just been like, I'm not going to act like a twitchy little guy. And uh, So describe his performance. Why did you like his performance so much in this? You know, it's – I liked it because it how, – how do I put this? It, it's it's an Oscar-worthy performance without knowing he's giving an Oscar-worthy performance, if that makes mm. sense. So you're not watching someone pander to... Right, he's not, they're not doing the Oscar reel. Right, they're not like... <laughs> like, Wayne, not like... <laughs> like Wayne in Wayne's World doing the Oscar reel, throwing the water in his face. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's okay, that's okay. <laughs> he's not like, he's not like getting mad in random places he's not throwing himself against the wall um you know for a highlight reel like you know hillbilly elegy for instance in netflix which is by the way if you want to see oscar pandering watch that movie um this is everything you you you're seeing him do in this movie is breathtaking in its simplicity um it's a it's a tough story because you're watching a heavy metal drummer who has has basically lost his hearing and um, going through this, the trials and tribulations and struggles with all of that. And um, you just feel for him this entire... The, the closest resemblance of this, I could probably, if people have watched this other movie, uh, is The Wrestler, if they saw that movie oh, years ago. Oh, interesting. Oh, man, I got to see this movie now. You got to see this movie. It's It's like watching that where you're watching someone who is broken down in a way that that they 
need to build themselves back up in a believable fashion. Like it, it doesn't happen overnight. At the same time, it's not over dramatic in a way. Um, you That's get what some, was great about the wrestler. It could have been like uh, Rocky Five or yes. Five Thousand. It could have yep. just been like now he's going to make his comeback, and it's like. Yeah, he doesn't really <laughs> like. It's not a good ending. It's not, not a good ending. His life kind of sucks. He's gonna go back to the trailer and play his own video game with his eight-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, I mean, it it could have gone in a bunch of different ways, but right actor, right director, right right screenplay, mm. um, mm. breathtaking performance. So that's my pick. Excellent, Chris. Excellent. All right, Chris. My picks. I had a runner-up. Um, I talked about it last uh, last podcast was. Gary Oldman in the movie Mank. Mm. If anything, and I know that it's kind of it's hackneyed to pick Gary Oldman as your best actor of the year. I mean, the guy's a beast. He's a beast, man. I mean, he is a beast man in everything he does. He's been my favorite actor since I was a teenager. But in this movie, he showed signs in a movie that should have been boring. This movie should have been boring. Kind of Oscar pandering. Uh, I play, uh, you know, Mankiewicz and I wrote <laughs> Citizen Kane. It should be like the most boring movie, but it's a light kind of jaunt uh, through this time in Hollywood. He's drunk all the time. He makes these kind of big Lebowski kind of statements. He's kind of like the Lebowski of screenwriters. It's a very kind of Coen Brothers ish movie. I enjoyed the movie. I can't wait to watch it again. So that's my runner up. But it's funny that you said something, but my favorite actor, actress, of the year is Anna Taylor Joy, the Queen's Gambit. Oh, there it is. For me, there is none better, none more better than her in this freaking show. And, you know, like you said, it's a limited series, and I hope they don't come back. I hope it, they keep it a limited series because there was something about this series being limited where her performance is kind of solidified in time, it's kind of in cement. And it's not like, oh, season two is going to suck or it might be really good. It's like, nope, we just presented this thing. Here you go. You watch it. And I feel like even though it was a flashback in time to the 1960s, 1950s, 1960s, it was pertinent of the times. There was addiction in it. There was women's rights in it. There was uh, relations between U.S. and Russia. They, they had everything that was kind of what you want a, a historical piece to have. But her mm. performance was so real and subtle. And I think I talked about this on the pod where her performance was so subtle that a younger, a, another younger actress would have done the Oscar reel kind of thing would have been like, oh, my mother, why are you doing this to me? Like this kind of like cheesy kind of um, Scarlett O'Hara kind of thing. And mm -hmm. she just kept it tight to her chest. This kind of really subtle performance where there are little idiosyncrasies that you catch here and there that they they clip between episodes. I feel like this kind of mini series is going to be watched for years to come, and they're going to take notes from this mini series. And in this age of you know American Horror Story and other kind of uh, Fargo, you know that was a great show. Um, you know Fargo season four with Chris Rock. You know all these shows that came out and they're just a season long. I think they're going to watch the queen's gambit from years to come and see and ask, what did they do? Right. What, what can I do with this show, this kind of formula into my show this year? Because it was only six, seven episodes. It was perfection. There was not, 
it was one of those shows I was watching and I was waiting for it to jump the shark. I was waiting, you know, we've talked about like how like things can be so good where you're just like, okay, all right, when is this going to shit the bed? When is this going to just, you know, turn into spinal tap jazz, jazz odyssey 2000. You know what I mean? When is, when is this going to just like fall apart? But this show kept going. Her performance kept going all the way to the end and it didn't, turn into something that was something I've seen before. So Chris, that's my pick of best performance of the year. Hands down. Like I mentioned Gary Oldman, he, she blew him out of the water. And if she is not recognized for this, I, you know what? I'm so over this whole awards thing because she's not going to qualify for an Oscar because it's a mini series, but she should, she should blow everyone out of the water. It's stupid. So there you go. That's my pick. (laughs) Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, Let's move on to, we're talking about performances. Let's talk about music performance. Let's talk about best music performance. And I'm talking about performing. I'm not talking about just like, you know, performing on an album, like best, you know, performance on a song. I'm just talking about live performance, whether it's virtual, things like that. Ben, what's your pick? Okay. So I mentioned this on the podcast before. This was an easy pick for me. Um, We mentioned the album, Mr. Bungle, the raging Mm -hmm. wrath of the Easter bunny. Um, and where we have the members of Mr. Bungle, we have Scott Ian from Anthrax, Dave Lombardo from uh, Slayer. And I know this is not everyone's cup of tea. I know this. <laughs> and if anyone, like, put this on YouTube for five seconds and they don't like hard music, they'll turn it right off and go, what? that guy's a lunatic. What is he talking about? <laughs> I understand this. But when it comes down to it, these guys are the best at their craft. You have a singer that is a five-octave range. You have Scott Ian, who is a leader in thrash metal guitar. You have Slayer. Uh, Dave Lombardo, who is just amazing. You have Trey Spruce and all the guys from Mr. Bungle just rocking in there. And there is one YouTube video out there. And Chris, I don't know if I sent this to you. Did I send you the video with um, where they do a cover in the middle of the song? Yes. Yep. Okay. So Mr. Bungle, and so they were one of the bands to actually perform it. So not only did they make this album. And if you listen to this album, like at face value, you'd be like, okay, cool. They sat in the studio and just cut it all together. These guys actually memorize these crazy complex, fast songs where your fingers would fall apart. Your voice would fall apart, but not only that, but they would, they actually performed these songs right before we got to lockdown and the video, um, that I want to point to for my performance of the year is it's a, it's a compilation of hell awaits, which is a song by them, which is just this awful loud song. It's, it's awful. Like, and like, <laughs> listen, I listen to uh, metal fans on YouTube just go, Oh my God, this is even hard for me to listen to. It's dirty thrash music, super fast, but no one on the earth can play it except for these guys. Hell awaits transition to seals and Croft summer breeze <laughs> and then back into their song erasist which is a great song which is very pertinent for this year i love this i love the thought of erasist someone that's racist that's erasing history it's beautiful it's just that's all i have to say it's great so eight minutes 46 seconds there's a youtube video to tell you this and you know what's the sad part chris i don't know if i told you this i was supposed to be at this show it's in Brooklyn, New York, mm. 2, 10, 20. 
before pandemic, and my my coworker Jason and I were talking about going to this. If it wasn't on a Monday night, I would have been there. A Monday oh. night show. If it was on the weekend, we would have gone. I, I would have been there. there. There's no doubt in my mind. And it was like 50 bucks a ticket. We would have been there to see these guys play. And it just happened to be on a Monday night. So, Chris, that is my performance of the year. Hands down, far away from anything. Chris, what? who is your music performance of the year? You know, again, um, I really – I had a bunch of different directions I was going to go in. Yeah. The Tiny Desk series that NPR does Yay. is outstanding. And – there have been a number of great performances on there. Like there's this great uh, R&B duo called uh, Chloe X Haley, who is a sister. Just these two black sisters. Oh yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I know them. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Unbelievable. Like unbelievable. Like throwback to like early. Did, you, did you send that to me? I did. Oh, you did. Okay. Oh, yep. It was you. Oh my God. Yeah. No, I, I watched those guys. Crazy. Yeah. Unbelievable. But not my pick. Um, okay. Earlier in the year, Dropkick Murphys, Fenway Park. That was a, I mean, that was like you know, bastard. That was, but, but <laughs> not my. How did I forget pick. that? That's not how your pick, pick either. Not my pick either. My final pick, literally, again, it's just, I mean, maybe just people being the geniuses that they are. They said, you know what, we're gonna wait till December to release the best shit of the year. But uh, Chance the Rapper did a. It's like an hour-long concert. It's on YouTube. It's completely free, by the way. You don't have to pay anything for it. Um, and it's like a Christmas concert, but he's also performing tracks from his album. It's everything you want hip-hop to be. Period. Um, I see it right now. Wait, it just came it, out. Just came out. <laughs> it just came out. I just watched it, what, yesterday, today? Um, it's awesome. And it's hilarious because like he does a couple of numbers on the set of the French Prince of Bel Air, um, like oh, it's literally yeah, like a, it's a replica of the set. Um, I love his music. I, I'm not big on his music before, you know. I I I I've known some of his songs and things like that. But watching this concert, I had a newfound respect for his artistry, where he mixes in singing and rapping, and his rhymes are fantastic. Something he's I really a, haven't he's, he's before. All over the place. Yeah, he's a all over the place. Yeah. He's a performer, and. Uh, it really, I, I watched this, I was like, holy shit, like, my, I got a newfound respect for a chance to rapper. So, um, that's my pick. So, if you have an hour, and you're yeah. just, or you're, you're cooking your, your Christmas meal, or whatever it is, you need some good background music, pop that in, I swear to God, you'll have a blast. It's a, it's a great, 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 great concert to listen to. Yeah, and if you don't want some background music, put on Mr. Bungle. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we we definitely covered the gambit of all music. <laughs> like from it. Mr. Bungle to Chance the Rapper. <laughs> uh, I love it. All right, well, ben, <laughs> <laughs> so we got two categories to go. Yes. So it's your pick. Which mm. one do you want to go with? Wait, is my pick? I thought I, I picked that one. No, I picked I picked the music one uh, performance. Okay. Oh yeah, you did. Okay. Um, blah, 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 blah. all right. I know what I'm going to end on. Let's let's go with. Oh no, we got three, bro. Do we have three? Yeah, I, I'll let you know. Let's okay. do best album of the year. Go for it. Okay, uh, runners up. Um, I'm gonna go. Oh man, which one did I pick? I got some runners up, and I. Um. All right, I'm gonna pick. Oh, God. All right, I got some runners up. I'm going to go with The Weeknd. Blinding Lights is a runner-up. Mm -hmm. uh, 
an album that was not picked by the Grammys for anything, <laughs> which is unheard of. This is album of the year. I mean, don't listen to me. Uh, everyone's listening to this album. Everyone loves this album. I've listened to this album a billion times. I've listened to the reissues, uh, the remixes of these tracks. Great song. Uh, the Summer, I love the band Cronbin with a K, Mordecai. They came out with an album. It was featured in Bud Light commercials. Huge album of the year. I listened to that a bunch. But my album of the year, Chris, Lucas Nelson, Willie Ooh. Nelson's son, came out with an album called Naked Garden. This song, this album is all over the place. I, I, I like when artists just cross-blend genres. They don't even think about genres. They, he's got a little country. He's got a little kind of psychedelia. He's got a little classic rock in him. Great musicianship, great little songs. So some songs will just kind of trip out into eight minutes. Some songs are tight two-minute tracks about how the girlfriend broke up with him. Just all over the place. Great musicianship. So that's my pick of the year. Lucas Nelson, Naked Garden. <laughs> Love it. Um, ben, yes. I mean, The weekend high on my list, yeah. obviously. Um, Paul McCartney put out a great album, by the way. Mm. Just uh, listened to it while I was uh, playing video games the other weekend. Great this stuff. Was, this was also a year for, I mean, because obviously with, you know, COVID and everything like that, you had a lot of, like, artists just doing, like, some really great solo projects. Um, you know, uh, Halsey did a great pro uh, album. Yep. Haim did a great album. Women in general just did amazing work this year. But um, my pick, and this might this might infuriate some of our viewers. Some of our, our listeners might be like, oh, you freaking sell out you jerk um but i i i really sat down and i said my god this is the best album of the year i went with taylor swift and folklore really really what okay <laughs> what made this so, album no i'm serious what what made this album rise above others so for me what i love what sometimes when an artist does is when they do something that is in a way, a, a departure from what they're known for mm. or make a sharp right turn from their last album. Yeah. And if I played you Taylor Swift's folklore with what she did before, which I think was called Lover, her previous album, two completely different artists, two completely different genres, um, you could not believe that it's the same person. And for me, folklore is actually not even really about um, composition almost. The, so the, the songwriting aspect, the lyrical work in folklore is incredible. And so, and for me, it really cements her as one of the best singer-songwriters, not only of her generation, but I, I'll say in the past, you know, 20-some-odd years. Like, of the 21st century, if she's not one of the top five singer-songwriters after this, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Um, Interesting. Every track on there is incredible. I mean, you really, it's its definitely, I mean, maybe it's my psyche being in this quarantine universe where you're just listening to someone kind of bare their soul in a very, you know, kind of calculated way in an album. But um, it's just, it's incredible. And not every song is a hit. Like, you know, it's that, that's not one of those albums where it's like, oh, this is this is a bop and it's going to, you know, sell. Right. You know, it's, it's just like, Wow, that was a really insightful tune. And then the next you know, song comes on, and you're like, "Holy crap!" Like I didn't even think about things that way. It's a great, great album. And then like you know, she drops 
her another surprise album like you know, a month later uh in you know evermore which is also good as well but you now folklore is one of those things where it's like if if this is the direction she decides to go in for the rest of her career she's up there with jody mitchell she's up there with some of the great i mean and we're just talking about you know singer songwriters you know gordon lightfoot gordon lightfoot obviously um of, i mean you, how did you just laugh? How dare you? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think it would be. I mean, this is going to be the hot take. This is this might lose some listeners, but you're going to say something bad about Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> Thirty years from now, yeah. if if people said if people said Taylor Swift and Bruce Springsteen in the same sentence, along with Bob Dylan as some of the greatest songwriters in the history, I'd be okay with it. I wouldn't wow, argue. Chris. With it. Hot takes today. Hot takes you today. You thought it was just end of the year wrap up kind of let's pan, you know, growing pains. Let's do a flashback episode kind of shit. Yeah, right. No, you got some hot takes today. Hot takes. Taylor Swift, Bruce Springsteen, Bob Dylan in the same sentence. There you go. Oh, oh wow. Gordon Lyson. Uh, Gordon Lyson. Come Rick on. Now. The Greatest. All right, Ben. What do you got? Best TV show. Are you ready? Go for it. I feel like this year, we talked about this on the podcast. I feel like we've been fed some shelf stuff. Stuff mm-hmm. that is sat on the shelf. Oh, uh, check this HBO original out. Hey, check this Netflix original out. Bullshit. I don't think this was real. I don't think this was new. I think Queen's Gambit was new because she's a new actress. Right. You know what I mean? She's up and coming. Maybe it was kind of sitting there for a little, but she's a new actress. I mean, she's young. Boom. I I believe it. That was coming out. And not to mention, uh, we got a lot of movies that were kind of shelfers. So that's why it was hard to pick. That's why I kind of picked stuff that was like live performances. Like this was recorded in February 2020. It's like, okay, this is a documentary kind of thing. So in that vein, I went with stuff that I know was produced this year. And it was hard for me to go with scripted television this year because I don't I don't believe it. I, I, I just think everything everyone was on lockdown. I know if I'm locked down here in upstate New York, goddamn Hollywood was definitely locked down. And they mm-hmm. ain't producing nothing. You can't get like Chris Evans on a set. He's like, yeah, okay. I'm gonna sit back on my Marvel movie. I ain't going to a no set and do some bullshit. Right. <laughs> like, all right. So that being said, I picked, I feel like 2020 was the year of documentary TV. Mm, okay. These three picks, I have two honorable mentions and my number one pick. These will be talked about for years, and I feel like we're going to get more of this kind of content, and that is fine with me because all this was great. Chris, I texted you earlier in the week, Murder on Middle Beach, mm. great series, great, great crime drama. In that vein, another runner-up, uh, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Uh, Ooh, show yeah. about the book written by uh, Patton Oswalt's uh, former wife. Really great. But the number one pick of the year, the show we're going to talk about for the next couple years has to be Tiger King. <laughs> yeah. What other show has had a cultural significance and has saved lives in 2020? <laughs> Literally saved lives. 
when everyone's like, oh, you know, I don't know about this COVID thing, if we should wear masks, yada, yada, yada. Everyone was like, well, you know what? We can just sit in home and watch Tiger King for these two weeks. And it probably saved like 100,000 lives in like April. So my pick, and I feel like we're making Carol Baskin's jokes for the next couple of years. Tiger King, hands down. Chris, I mean, what do you well, think, bro? Gosh, I mean, that's it's a good pick. It's a solid pick. It's I a mean, solid pick? Are you gonna, what, what do you got? You got some criti- criticism of my pick? What do you got? I'm no, okay. I mean, when we talk about the cultural impact of it all absolutely when we talk about well put together documentaries like first of all you know maybe maybe covid helped this but like you know the the need for compelling multi-part documentary series i don't know it felt like 2020 upped their game this year and you had a lot of choices in that in that particular genre so to speak um so yeah you're not you're not wrong in a lot of respects. I mean, it, was it my pick? No. Was it even on my radar for my pick? No, which surprises me because um, it should. You know what? Think about the people that you talk to. I mean, all those people saw that show. Everyone what? watched that. Oh, everybody everyone, watched it. Everyone, everybody watched it. everyone watched it. Everyone watched it. And like, whether you think of it, I think that reality TV slash kind of docudrama miniseries is kind of in our ether. It's in our kind of like, I don't know. It, it's just in our blood at this point because we've lived with uh, reality shows for so long mm. that I feel like they can go neck and neck with other television. It doesn't have to be like a scripted sitcom, a scripted drama. I feel like this rose above everything. So for my pick of the year is is docudramas. That's my pick. There you go. Yep. There you go. Ben, uh, I did not pick that for my Okay. Pick. Um, but I did pick something that in a similar vein, water cooler topics. Yeah. Everybody, their mother was watching. Also, I think sets the tone for everything that comes springs from it. So to speak, this was a season of television that had all the stakes had such high stakes. We didn't, we didn't even know the stakes that were involved. That makes sense. Mm. And I'm talking about the Mandalorian. Mm. Ben, baby, it was so hard for me not to pick that. So hard. One of the best seasons of television I've ever seen. Period. Ever, ever, forever, 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 ever. Doesn't you know? No complex, overarching story. No, like you know, got to figure this out and things like that. Not a lot of controversial choices. Just fan satisfaction from start to finish. And when I say finish. Holy shit, did they finish? Um, Holy shit. <laughs> like, like, they finished. <laughs> like, and, you know, when we talk about the stakes, you know, we found out after the show, after the season two finale was over. And I'm not going to spoil it for no. anybody who hasn't seen it yet. But if you haven't seen it, week. you're not alive, brother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come on now. What are, what are you waiting for? What are you doing? I, I, I was talking to a friend a couple weeks ago, and I was like, have you watched the last episode of Mandal- or a week ago? And he's like, no. And I'm like, all right, I need to not talk for the rest of the night in case I spoil something because right. it's just seeping out of my tongue. I can't I cannot say anything about that. It's crazy. And it's one of those, I, I, don't, I don't ever want to be the jerk that says, well, you're not a real fan if you don't like this. But honest to God, if you didn't stop, like if you didn't end season two of The Mandalorian feeling a, a sense of euphoria about the Star Wars universe going forward, 
what else can they do? Yeah, what like, can they do for you? Yeah, like what can from, they do for you? From this season alone, where it hinted or started or sparked at least four spinoff projects from this series alone, from this yeah, season. This season. The season. And we had no idea. We had no, no idea they were doing this, and yet they did it. And the execution was fantastic. Production was fantastic. I was bawling my eyes out in the season two finale. Like I skinned my knee. It was just yeah. incredible start to finish. So folks, if you're a Star Wars fan, first of all, if you're a Star Wars fan and you haven't watched The Mandalorian yet, I, I, I just don't know what to tell you. I, I yeah, mean, you're not you're not a Star Wars fan. You're not I'm a real put, fan. I'm sorry. No, exactly. No. Exactly. All my all my Kessel Run nerds. Oh my God, uh, there was a collective freakout on the internet. Chris, of course, did you watch the post-credit sequence? Oh, of course, and I forgot. Oh yeah, out. I did. I did not know about this till my sister told me about, it, and then we watched it. I was like, "OMG, OMG, and OMG!" And of course, you hear about you know um, that series, which I'm not going to say. I'm not going to spoil what it is. Right. But that series is going to be show ran by not only John Favreau and Dave Filoni, but also Robert Rodriguez, of all people. So I'm like, freaking Desperado from Dust Till Dawn. Okay. Like he wants to do like a Star the first Wars thought. Series. And Chris, I don't know about you. I mean, I'm a guy, but was your first thought is Selma Hayek in this? <laughs> <laughs> Danny I'm Trejo. all in. I'm all Danny in. Trejo could, you, could you see her walking across the street and two speeders crash into each other behind her? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! If he can find a place for her. Danny yeah. Trejo. And, oh, Danny. Oh, Danny Trejo. And like oh. Cheech Marin, like I'm, uh, I'm fine. Danny Trejo is Bosk. <laughs> <laughs> he can play Bosk. He can get the makeup on. Yeah. Or who's the guy? Well, all right, I gotta look this up. Where's Tonra? He he yelled at me. Who's the guy with the bandage on his head? The other the other bounty hunter. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> no, that's a deep cut. You'd be like, oh, it's blah 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 blah. I'm gonna look it up. Star Wars bounty hunter. <laughs> Uh, uh, bandage on head. All right, hold on. <laughs> He's gonna be like, "Oh, you didn't know this? Oh, Dangar. <laughs> His name is Dangar, everyone. And uh, Danny Trio could play Dangar. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> Chris, you know what? You're you're so on. Not to be like a fan and nerd out and stuff, but as far as filmmaking, as far as um, having, and I think I've talked about this on the podcast, having CGI and filmmaking transform into the 21st century, like transport into that, you know, the way they filmed this was back screen projection. And I think I've talked about this on the podcast, but the screen moves around the actor when the camera moves. Mm. And if you watch the VFX series on YouTube and they talk about how they did this. So they have a camera rig. You have your actor in their full costume and then you have a, a giant, not green screen, but actually being projected onto screens behind him. So when you move the camera, the shadows move his, his armor, the Baskar steel moves on him. And what a brilliant thing to have happen in technology when we can't, have more than three people on set <laughs> it is perfect it's perfect 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 perfection and it's just one of those shows i think shows moving forward are going to be filmed like this even if it's like a boring kind of drama like the queen's gambit it's going to be filmed like this where you can't mm. oh we can't build a set in the 60s vegas we need to build it 
CGI and then have it in the background of her actress and then just have a talking scene with her and then just cut to someone else being filmed by the same rig. I, I feel like this show has transported all media. All film is going to happen like this at least for a couple of years now. And thank God because we wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, before this, we'd have 40 people on set. We had a best boy, best grip, all these people that are just sitting there just running wires and stuff like that. Now we can have the guy that's playing, you know, uh, uh, the guy that's playing the Mandalorian, Pedro Costell. Yeah. Costell. We can have him, the director, and the cameraman and scene. Maybe a sound guy. And there you go. And so I feel like this show is important because of that and because it's great cinema and because it delivered on a fanboy person uh, personality inside my stomach. Chris, great pick, dude. There you go. There you go. Well, that, is that it? Or do you have another category? Uh, we're going to finish with one category. Okay. That apparently you forgot. I forgot. But we always end on this category. Best YouTubing of oh. the year, baby. Well, now I'm just going to go with my man. natural instincts. Okay. Oh. I, already, I already got my pick. So there you go. You got, see, you know, how, did you forget about it or where, what? Uh, did you forget about this? I faked you out. I knew, I knew where we were going. Uh, oh, no. Oh, fake me out. How dare you? <laughs> you didn't fake me out. Not one bit. I knew exactly where we were going for that. Yeah. All right. So, Chris, we have talked about YouTube and probably every other week. Yep. Beginning of the year, we did every week, but we've been doing every other week. What is your best YouTube in of the year? I don't think I mentioned this YouTube this year. So go ahead. I think I did. I think I did it once. Um, but in order to you know decide, I said to myself, which which subscription? Because like, I subscribe to a lot of you know YouTube channels. Mm-hmm. Which one? Where if I see the alert that there is a new video. It, like without question, I'm going to watch it. Like it's like, Oh, new video. Boom. Um, and that is again, a gentleman by the name of Superhuman with two ends. And I picked superhuman because he is a, I, I don't know his real name. Don't know yeah. where he lives. All I know is he is a pro wrestling enthusiast <laughs> who likes to jump off different locations in his backyard Onto various objects. Oh, and did you send care. me this? This is great. <laughs> I don't care. Oh, this guy's great. I'm subscribing. <laughs> I don't care what mood you're in. I don't care how bad of a day of, at work you had. You know, bad stuff going on at home. Right. If right. you need a laugh, if you need a smile, if you need just to have like a feeling of like, at least I'm not going through that in that exact moment, watch his videos because he will launch himself off of a trampoline onto a microwave for the sake of our entertainment. He is not a professional stuntman. He is not someone who's ever been trained in wrestling. He is literally putting his, his body on the line for us to laugh at him. And I appreciate that. So superhuman is his name. Literally the titles of his videos are jumping off a trampoline onto Legos and bricks or a microwave, or a printer, or, you know. <laughs> you know what You know what I appreciate about this guy? I've only watched two videos. I've subscribed. I'm going to I'm gonna click through. I'm going to do a deep dive tonight. But um, you know how, like, you watch Jackie Chan, yes. uh, like, fall off a tree, 
and then he rubs his shoulder vigorously and it's like uh, in the like the little underscript it says like he separated his lower vertebrae or something <laughs> weird you're like what the fuck and like right like this guy looks like he's real he's he's scared and he's really gonna get hurt like he's scared he's, of what's gonna happen and what he's done lately first of all he does this intro every before every video where he says this is for the gigolos and the gigolettes because he is an insane clown posse fan. So he dedicates every video to the gigolos and the gigolettes. But, <laughs> but at the really, and he's only done this for like the past month or so, he has shown an extended aftermath of his jump. So before he would like, you'd hear, you'd see him land and then you'd get like two seconds of the aftermath, like him screaming in pain or being like unconscious or whatever but now he's actually extending it further to like 10 to 15 seconds oh, nice. so you, you really see the damage that he's doing right. to his body so for, you get to see the, the 10 seconds after the snuff film exactly <laughs> and again if you're it doesn't matter if you're a pro wrestling fan or not you will enjoy watching his videos just for the sheer lunacy of it so superhuman check it out great pick you know what this was, you know what? If we do this, sorry, when we do this next year, we got to end on YouTube and like we do. We do. This is we great. Do. It's great that it just ended up like this. This is perfect. Um, so, Chris, great pick. Thank Excellent you. pick. Now, I have subscribed to many people this year, many different people. Shout outs to all of them on previous podcasts. But there is one person, one man. May I say one man that I would be remiss if I did not mention his name in 2020. One person that made me happy above all. And I'm so Ooh. glad that we we kept this to the end. I mean, above all the movies, above all everything. This is a person I've introduced to multiple other people and has made them laugh. I mean, people that I've known from um, scholarly relationships, let's say. You know what I mean? People that are just kind of elevated. People that don't laugh at things that are just you know poo poo foo foo steve-o breaking bottles in his mouth kind of thing they mm -hmm. want to they want an elevated thing but also us plebeians <laughs> that just laugh <laughs> at people getting kicked in the junk whatever everyone loves this person his name is richard cheese <laughs> and this year he came up with an album called numbers of the beast and there is one video in particular that I show everyone and everyone loves it. It is his cover of the song Savage. Mm. So if everyone out there could just YouTube Richard Cheese Savage and show all their friends, everyone will freak out. It is it encompasses everything that this man does. And when, if you've never seen the person, if you only heard Richard Cheese, whether it be in Dawn of the Dead remake a couple of years ago, whether it be in other kind of remakes of like Welcome to the Jungle, he is a lounge singer. He does lounge versions of contemporary songs. But his cover of Savage and the video of Savage, he looks like just that middle-aged kind of dopey white guy that you would picture him to be. And he just fulfills all of your fantasies. He is my win winner of YouTube. That YouTube video, we have played so many times in this man cave, and everyone has just gone, that is the best. He is my new favorite. I have his autograph on the wall. He actually personally emailed me when I asked for his autograph. He is the man. 
So Richard Cheese Savage is my pick of the year above all YouTube videos of the year. There you go. Love it. Good stuff, yeah, man. Dude. Good stuff. Way to end on a high note. Um, Ben, any last, any last words about 2020 before we sign off? I am so glad and so happy to be done with this year. <laughs> <laughs> this year was terrible. You know what? But, Chris, talking to you about an, for an hour and a half about the good stuff that happened this year, my God, maybe, maybe there's a little sparkle out there. A little spoonful of sugar helped the medicine go down right there. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm I'm ready uh, to move on from 2020. Uh, sh- screw this year; it's been awful. Uh, Cheers. But but you know what? Bright brightness ahead, and that's that's really the most important thing. Is that you know there's a lot of a lot of things to look forward to uh, in the new year, vaccine related or not. Mm. Uh, go ahead. You know, I remember you and I joked about a long time ago where it's like, yeah, maybe we'll we'll cancel our Disney Plus subscriptions and then, you know, resume then when they're, you know, uh, worth it. Folks, it's worth it, you know, and it's, yeah. it's and, and, and the verdict's in. The verdict's in. And you know what? With all due respect to the movie studios and all these movie stars are like bitching about HBO Max and, you know, all that stuff. You know what? It's not safe to go into movie theaters. So let us enjoy your content. So get HBO Max. They're not paying me to say that. It's just worth it. So get HBO Max. And you know what? Like, there's been a couple of contemporary like filmmakers that we mentioned on this podcast, like Christopher Nolan, David Fincher. Yeah. yeah and, and with their with their comments of the last couple of weeks, uh, David Fincher wins because he <laughs> he totally shared his new movie to Netflix. Christopher Nolan was all butthurt about his right. movie being on HBO Max. So screw that guy. Oh, Christopher Nolan. Well, uh, my art should be seen in a theater, even if it kills millions of people. Go fuck yourself, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> yeah, and, and not that? for nothing, by the way, Christopher Nolan, uh, theater or not, it would not have made Tenant a better movie. So, Ooh, so the, the just... wide receiver from Ballers would not <laughs> make it better in the theater? Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I, think, I, think, I think we actually were spared in that regard. Um, so, yeah, go get HBO Max so you can enjoy the best Christmas day You've probably had a recent memory. I mean, let's get that guy on the pod. Can we, we get can him on the get, pod now? Get him on the pod. Um, Nolan. 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 <laughs> Freaking go watch, you know, Wonder Woman 1984, the new Pixar movie Soul, and then the next day wake up and watch the new season of Letter Kenny on Hulu. What's better than that? Period. Yeah, keep it off the keep it off the end of the driveway. Um, listen. Chris, you know, it's so freeing. And, you know, maybe we're just doing our New Year's resolutions. And th- Chris, always, as always, thank you for involving me on the OnStage blog. Oh, Love my gosh. Love all your posts. Even if I don't like them, I'm watching it. I'm, I'm watching it from afar. I'm, I'm like, yeah, that's good stuff. But you know what? You know what's freeing about doing this podcast is maybe someday we'll have Christopher Nolan on the pod. Mm-hmm. And then we won't be able to make fun of him. <laughs> It would be, like, be like, oh, Christopher Nolan, uh, last movie was pretty good. You know, friend of the pod. We can't talk about it today. <laughs> you know, that'd be so terrible. But you know what? Let's just take advantage of not being famous right now and just make fun of anyone we want and oh, like absolutely. the people that we want. Here, here. Exactly. There you yeah, go. That's what the people want. Here's the 2020 and not being famous. <laughs> there you go. Enough said. <laughs> Enough said. All right, folks, we'll see you in 2021. Have a wonderful holiday season. See you, kids. Happy New Year. We'll see you next year.